Hello, and welcome to Calming the Chaos Podcast, where we talk with people around the world who can help you find peace in a chaotic world. I'm your host, Tracy Canella, licensed mental health counselor, certified eating disorder specialist, and advanced clinical hypnotherapist. Calming the Chaos Podcast is for those who want self-help resources and education. It's not a substitute for counseling or psychotherapy. So if you like what you hear, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening. And now, let the chaos begin. In this episode of Calming the Chaos, I'm going to go over the whole podcasting season and give you some little clips of the podcast interviews that I've done this season. And I've got a lot of really cool guests to introduce you to, as well as some clips. In case you've missed anything, you can listen to this short video just to get an idea about what I covered in season three of Calming the Chaos. I started off this podcasting season with four fantastic interviews. I was so fortunate to be able to meet these people through podmatch.com. If any of you are out there trying to get podcasting gigs, I would recommend going to podmatch.com so that you can find really awesome podcast guests like I was able to do. The first guest was Victoria Shaw, and she was able to tell us about using our intuition to calm the chaos. Watch here what she says about building your own intuitive toolbox right? It's almost the mind's job to like make us so miserable <laughs> that eventually we're like, okay, I, I got to like, let you go and try something new. And everyone's going to get to that point in a different place. And, you know, for some of us, it might take many lifetimes, but for many people now, I really believe the chaos we're experiencing in the world right now is a wake up call for a lot of people all at once. And, you know, I've been doing the work that I've been doing for about 11 years. And over the course of that time, there's so much more openness. I used to do two very different things. I used to be, you know, my do my licensed psychologist, getting my supervision hours, like getting my license, like that kind of jam. And then I used to do the intuitive thing. And they were very separate. And like a few years into my practice, more and more they came together. And now I would say that 99% of the clients that even come to me for counseling, which is a small piece of what I do now, I mostly do the intuitive piece, but a very small percentage don't come to me because of all the tools that I have in my toolbox. Like they want that intuition piece. They want the spiritual guidance. They want that perspective. And so I think, you know, it's, it's people are opening up to this more and more now and the level of chaos we experience both individually and collectively is part of what's nudging us there. My second interviewee was Ben Kaloy, and he has a podcast called the Military Veteran Dads Podcast. He and I talk a lot about chaos and about being in the military and being a dad. And he talks about his own GPS system that he uses when he wants to calm his own mental and emotional chaos. Take a listen here. I didn't fully know about growth mindset and the growth mindset component that life is something to be experienced and grown through, not like to like avoid or try to find the easier path. Like, no, the harder paths, the obstacles are usually the ones that are make the most growth and it's going to take you where you need to go. And it's that growth because no matter what you choose, you're going to learn something. You're going to learn who you're not. You're going to learn who you are. You're going to run into someone. You're going to have a conversation on this path that could maybe start a new path. But you can't have that conversation so you pick a path but if i could go back and tell myself there was two things that i really didn't know 
when I was 30 years old that would have changed everything. That when I was stuck in that fog, that had I had this compass calibrated with these two things, it would have changed everything. That fear is usually something we think about holding us back or things that we need to avoid because, like, yeah, it's scary, so I'm not going to do it. But a lot of things in life today are not lions, tigers, bears like our brain says they are from millennia ago. But we apply the same, like, oh, we need to stay away from that. We could explode if we ever go up on stage to talk to people. Like, it's not real. You're not going to explode. You're not going to spontaneously combust and have anxiety all over the walls. It doesn't work that way. But that's how we feel on the inside. And so what I learned was I actually measure those directions by how scared am I to go in that direction? Because if I'm scared and I'm not going to die, I take that as a leading indicator that this path is one that's going to change my life that on the other side of that fear is everything I've ever wanted. And My third podcast interview this season was with Debs and Georgie of the Hardcore Warriors, and we talked about the chaos of menopause. And here's a short clip from our conversation. We actually had my husband join us toward the end of the interview, but I thought this clip would be appropriate to tell people who are struggling with menopausal symptoms how they might be able to notice and calm their own menopause chaos. Menopause is really, it's broken into three phases. You have perimenopause, which is when your estrogen levels are starting to drop and you'll start to notice some symptoms. It's often where the symptoms are at their worst, but because it can often happen at quite a young age, it isn't necessarily recognized straight away as being menopause. So you have this perimenopausal state which can begin in your well i was 40 um it can begin in your 30s and actually some people are extremely unlucky and experience it in their 20s which is extremely rare but it's not impossible and you know to, to digress slightly this is why we're doing what we're doing because we really want people to be aware of it at a much younger age so they are equipped for it better when it happens so they can understand what's going on and not be scared, not be stressed, not panic thinking it's something else and give them the tools to help them through it much more easily. My fourth podcast interview of this season was with Dr. Matt Goldenberg. He's a psychologist here in Olympia and I've met him personally. In fact, I've consulted with him a couple of times with him being the, uh, the consulter and I'm the consultee about LGBTQ plus issues, which I don't have a whole lot of experience with. And you could probably tell from this interview that I don't. I've learned a lot from Dr. Matt. And in this interview, he talks about the specific challenges to the LGBTQ plus community during times of COVID-19. Here is a clip from our interview that may interest you. And I would really, uh, really consider checking the whole interview out if you are struggling with these issues and want to know more. For a lot of LGBTQ people, COVID-19 has triggered a really deep and, and painful historical trauma. So historical trauma is multi-generational. Um, it signifies that there's been a series of events which um, cause oppression for a specific group of people. You can think of like colonization of indigenous people or Japanese internment camps as some examples of, in the United States. Um, 
in terms of COVID-19, the historical trauma that's related for LGBTQ people is the AIDS epidemic. So let me explain why. The first cases of HIV in America were thought to be showing up in the late 1970s, but we didn't get an official government report until 1980. And by then there, the cases were very few. The HIV virus began spreading really rapidly at a time of intense institutional discrimination against LGBTQ people. Anti-sodomy laws were rampant. LGBTQ people were not considered a protected class. Um, president at the time, Reagan refused to show concern for the spreading virus. Um, conservatives believed and some apparently still believe in some cases that AIDS is a punishment for being LGBTQ. So if we go back to 1984, um, Health and Human Secretary, Secretary uh, Heckler announced that the discovery of AIDS suggested a vaccine come out in 1986. That's never happened. Right? So you have to sort of think about what that means for LGBTQ people that since 1986, we've been told by our government that we would have a vaccine. Since then, at least 700,000 Americans have died of AIDS and there is still a lack of necessary funding and attention. October was National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And in that month, I interviewed two people who struggled with and recovered from cancer. My first podcast interviewee was Catherine Marie, and she takes us through all phases of cancer. Listen to hear when she talks about the chaos of pre-diagnosis of cancer. As I was getting that test done, I kind of started having some concerns. I started sensing something that maybe I should be more concerned than I initially was. And that was because the technologist wouldn't look at me. And then the testing was done. She left the room and she came back with a radiologist. And he had this look on his face and it was a look I was familiar with. And the reason I was familiar with this look is I had mentioned my children. My children were born prematurely. They were 25 week twins. Together they weighed less than three pounds. So I had spent an extensive amount of time in hospitals and working with doctors and nurses and speech therapists and occupational therapists and, and, and helping my children progress and grow and, and heal. So when this radiologist looked at me, I knew that look. And that look was, he was very concerned and he wasn't ready to say anything until tests confirm. And that's when I knew <laughs> that it was really, really serious. Also survivor of cancer, Sarah Falk is a licensed clinical social worker. And she talks about the chaos of the stress response, but she also talks about some of the struggles that she's had with her own survival of cancer. Listen here as she talks about her own story and how she has learned to calm her chaos. With being a multiple cancer survivor, um, you know, I had bone cancer, I've had breast cancer, and I've had two different types of skin cancer um, where I've had to have my nose reconstructed. And I have this, you can't probably can't see it from where you are, but I have like a little uh, pirate scar on my cheek and my dad says it looks cool. So I'll, I'll go with that. But um, <laughs> just, just 
you know, we all have pain. Um, and it could be cancer, it could be anxiety, it could be anything. And those areas where we feel broken and those areas where we feel we are not capable. And, you know, you talk about chaos and it's like, you feel like I can't do this. You know, there's any type of chaos in your life and it's like, I, I feel like I can't do this. But that is what I call the negativity track. I can stay afraid, I can stay negative, and I can just go on that runaway train, which is on the negativity track, or I can choose to, to throw the switch and train, change the tracks and get on the positivity train and use the energy I have for positivity, for powerful action in my life. That's my choice. I also talked with three professionals who specialized in disordered eating. Uh, one of them is coach Laura Folks. She is from the Chicago area. And what she does is she works with people who struggle with eating and self-sabotage. She helps people eat in alignment with their eating goals. And she talks a little bit about herself and a lot about self-sabotage in this clip that you're just about to see here. And if you're interested more in this topic, I'd strongly uh, recommend that you check out the entire interview. Laura is a great person and she uh, really does have a very balanced approach to coaching people who have disordered eating. And she has a lot of free stuff on her website. Check it out. What did you learn about self-sabotage in and of itself and how it's important when we're considering behaviors related to food and eating? For me, it was so eye-opening. Once I realized how my past was still controlling me, um, even not today, but five or six years ago when I was going through this process myself, to see how much that was that was still controlling me. So I was bullied a lot in middle school and in high school for my weight. And I always thought that that just made me stronger, even though I was kind of a defensive person because of it. I always thought that I was just stronger because I figured that I needed to just take on more, do more, I could do my own. If I put my mind to it, I can have success and it doesn't really matter what other people think is kind of what I thought. I didn't realize though how much it had really had like an imprint on me and how I was showing up today from or a couple years ago in more of like a defensive with a defensive um I would have this wall up and like be defensive in many ways. I also interviewed Leslie Davis, the author of the book You Can't Eat Love. Now, Leslie shares with us her journey about creating the book and all of these things that she can do to honor herself, to care for herself. And in this clip, you'll see a little taste about Leslie and what she does to help calm her chaos. I was very good at being ashamed because I had been told through most of my life, you should be ashamed, et cetera, et cetera. And so I used food to, to numb pain. So I had to learn how not to be afraid to name my emotions and how not to be afraid to sit in the emotions. And the way that I started doing that was I realized that 
I had what I call a myself sized hole in my heart and I was filling it with food. And it was only when I started learning to love myself and talking to myself as my very best friend in the whole wide world and being kind to myself that the need for that drug of choice started easing up. And I'm not going to lie to you and say that that desire has gone totally away because there are moments when uh, my emotions get ahead of me and I'm looking for that thing in the pantry. And sometimes, you know, I'll eat three or four bags of the small bags of chips before I catch myself and say, wait a minute, what is really going on? And then have that conversation. And then I had probably about my biggest interview I have ever had with the most famous person and the one that I've most admired. And I never thought that I would ever be able to talk to Dr. Anita Johnston, the author of Eating in the Light of the Moon, a book that talks about story and metaphor uh, to treat eating disorders. Dr. Johnston is a pioneer in the uh, treatment of eating disorders, having formed and been CEO and founder of Ipono in Maui, which is a residential treatment center. And uh, they do so many great things at uh, that treatment center. Dr. Johnston and I talk and we love using metaphor, both of us and story. I think she actually solves chaos in this little clip. Check out what she has to say about what chaos actually really is. Well, the chaos happens when you disconnect from authentic self right? That connection gets frayed and that's what becomes chaotic within our psyche. So if you can think of it as when we are born, we have two very powerful drives. One is the drive for connection and attachment uh, because we are mammals. We're not lizards. We don't just hatch out of an egg and go on our way. No, we have to attach to our caregivers in order to survive. However, we're also born with an equally powerful drive, and that is the drive for authenticity. That is the drive to be our true self. That is the drive to, to, to live our destiny and become who we are meant to be and go where we're meant to go. So what happens, though, is that these two drives throughout our childhoods, and for some of us more than others, but certainly this happens for all of us, these two drives come into conflict. And guess which one wins? Attachment, right? It has to. We have to survive. So what happens is it, it's something like this. Um, little kid wants a cookie. And mommy says, no, you can't have a cookie. We're having dinner in an hour. And little kid goes, I want a cookie. I want a cookie. And mommy says, if you don't stop that, you're not going to get any cookies at all. So little kid goes, okay, I don't want a cookie, right? So that's just a, like a little example of how we've all been there. We've all did it, did it. We all have to do it. But here's the problem. When there's conflict between the two and you choose attachment because you have to, it's not a bad choice. The connection to authentic self gets frayed and even disconnected. And when that happens, it creates a tension that builds and becomes even painful. And we will do anything anything to try to soothe that 
pain or that discomfort or that chaos, if you will. Because when that connection to authentic self is not solid, you don't have this center core. And so you get pulled out, you get, you're going to get pulled all over the place. However, the, the winds blow, that's where you're going because you're not connected to authentic self. Now, all of my podcast interviewees from season three were informative, entertaining, and fun. I have to say that two of them stand out as being exceptionally silly and fun. And I want to mention them here. I interviewed Don and Hutch, two mates from Australia, and they tell their story about how one of them got a heart attack and the other one had to do CPR on him. Fortunately, Hutch, who struggled with a heart attack, is still living. But what they are doing now is they are teaching people how to be CPR friendly in just minutes. And so you can go from being CPR friendly to actually being completely educated in CPR training for absolutely free through their website. So if you or your loved one has struggled with a heart attack or cardiac arrest, they will tell you the difference between the two. They are also extremely funny. Both of them are very entertaining. And if you really want a fun time and a couple of laughs with some Aussie blokes, check out the full entire interview. In the meantime, here's a clip from our time together. I was in hospital for two weeks. At the end of those two weeks, they, you know, were trying to work out what actually went wrong. And as a security precaution, that they, they put in a my own internal defibrillator. So it's called an ICD. It's an internal cardio defibrillator. Come on, and you want to show? Come on, you want to show them? You can, everyone at you home. can see. Can oh you see? Boy. I can make it. Can I make it stick? There it is. There. There's wow. a little baby there. Very is much it, like a cigarette like, lighter. Yeah, Zippo. A Zippo lighter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two cable, two cables into my heart. Hmm. So if anything happens uh, again, uh, with a, we'll talk about uh, cardiac arrest, difference between cardiac arrest and heart attack. If anything happens again, this little baby just kicks in. So I actually got that implanted actually on my birthday. Well, what a fantastic yeah. birthday present yeah. <laughs> that was. <Right>. Incidentally, <laughs> happy birthday! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've actually been. I've actually been. Um, celebrating that birthday ever since because the great thing about that piece of technology of course is that it takes all the pressure off me uh so if 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 if, if hutch goes south again and things go wrong i just stand clear and that little uh sucker kicks in and brings yeah. you back to life which is great and then at the beginning of the year, I talked with Jocelyn Rocky and her uh, sidekick, Frankie. They are both voiceover actors, but they also uh, are on a podcast together. The podcast being uh, called uh, Keeping Up With Chaos. So we thought it was a great match. And we had a four-way conversation with my husband, Tim, and I, and Jocelyn and Frankie about all things chaos. And we just had a blast. It was so fun. And here is a clip about one of the most fun parts of our interview and just the rapport that we had together. If you just want a fun, relaxing time, check out the whole entire interview. It was just a joy to have them on the show. So not being able to call anybody, I was like, my skin was crawling. I was like, wow. I, it was bad. So do you yeah. have a landline at all? You know what? We don't, which is funny because my husband's like, where's the landline? I'm like, you haven't had a land landline. It's like, what's that? That's a landline. That's like a dinosaur. You know, I mean, Timmy, show, show me your landline. I, I'll tell you, you know, land, oh, land, no, do you landline, landlines are helpful. 
especially when the power goes out. Oh my gosh. The phone still works. Yeah. That's like, that's like the bat phone. Okay. Like, I have not it, seen it one of those is. in a long time. I know. Yeah, you know, you know what's really fun is you pull out a rotary phone and set it down and let your kids <laughs> try and play with it, Jocelyn. Yeah. You know, say, okay, order us some pizza. Right. You know, and see if they can do it. The funny thing is, is my child was telling me about how, when TVs were first developed and he was telling me how like color and this person was, he, you know, whatever, they were watching YouTube or something. And I said, you know what? Back in the day, I watched TV when it was black and white. Like there was no color. Like I remember TVs going from, you know, black and white to color. Yeah, it was just, mm -hmm. yeah. And I remember the radios, you had to twist the dial. Like, you know, you couldn't just, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember cell phones when they were in bags. You know, and there were no cell phones. You got in the car to go someplace. That was it. Unless you brought a book. If you were traveling, that's it. There was nothing else. You know, like you had your imagination and the looking out the window. <laughs> like that's it. I also had a couple of podcast interviews on the more serious side of things. I talked to Dr. Lise DeGeer, who is a psychologist and who was a burn victim at the very young age of five years old and had to go through a multitude of surgeries uh, to be able to correct the disfigurements on her face and her little body. And now as she is her own psychologist and does her own private practice and has written a book called Flashback Girl, we talk in this interview about so many things to build resilience through tragedies such as this. You'll be interested to hear just a little clip of what she has to say about how she became the Flashback Girl. Check it out. I'm not making this up. 50 years later, I found it. Wow. And so I, I tried to call the attorney to ask him about it. And he had died. But I spoke to his brother. And when I said, hello, I'm Lisa Gear. I was in this fire. And he's like, are you the flashback girl? And I'm like, what? So it turns out that they had like lectured about my case. I, my case was sort of well known. And at that point, I was like, and there's the title of the book. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mr. Attorney. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Attorney deceased, but uh, brother was still around to give you some guidance. That's right. And, you know, yeah. so it's like both it's a nickname and it has kind of a superhero feel to it, which I think is kind of cool. And then it alludes to flashbacks, which most of us who've gone through trauma have some element of that. And then flashbacks as as going back in time with memory. So it, it, it kind of encompasses a lot. Another one of my more serious interviews was with Dr. Robert Saul, and he lives in South Carolina, but was really inspired by the Columbine school shootings a while back uh, to write his book, Our Children's Children, Raising Young Citizens in the Age of Columbine. And he and I talked right before the Oxford, Michigan shootings happened. And then we talked again after they they happened. So this compilation interview was me in the first time. You can tell that Dr. Sala's with me on the screen. And then the second I weave in these little conversations I have with Dr. Sala over the phone. And this was after the Oxford in the ex Oxford school shooting had happened and what he thinks about certain topics relating to guns, children, school shooting, parents, you name it. 
he and I talk about it in this interview. And it is especially appropriate now that we have had this most recent school shooting in Texas. If you're interested in, in checking out Dr. Saul or this, this whole entire interview, it's a really informative. And uh, I hope you enjoy this little clip that I'm going to give you from our interview. In our society where we have sort of adopted a approach of we're just looking for happiness, we forget of what we should be doing. And when my parents divorced when I was young, I remember my mother, I'm sure out of guilt, saying, Bob, I just want you to be happy. I just want you to be happy. Now, fortunately for me, she set a much better example than me just selfishly going out into the world uh, and making myself happy. Um, so she set the example for what I can and could be doing going forward. Um, so I think if we raise our children to be good citizens, Happiness is a secondary effect. Uh, and uh, again, that maybe is oversimplified, but I'm really, I'm devoted to that principle uh, going forward. And then I did an interview with Robert Kittredge, who lives in Colorado, and his practice and training is in human design, which is a totally different field of study than I've ever experienced. So it was such a neat interview. If you want to see the whole thing, he does actually do my human design during the broadcast. But in this clip, he's talking about how people use fear-based conditioning and how it can happen through your lives and how it can cause chaos. Uh, check him out here as he explains about conditioning. Conditioning is anything, anything that keeps you from living your true self. So anything. But one of the things I get is, does conditioning ever go away? And the answer to that is no, because it's like a memory, but we can detach from it. So we have an attachment to that conditioning. Oh my God, if I try this, I failed. I remember in fifth grade when I did this and I tried and I failed, I remember how everybody laughed at me, blah, 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 blah. It's a story and it's a story we're attached to. Now, if you know that the reason why or whatever, that kind of part of it, now you can say, oh, okay, story's still there. We can just reframe it in a different way. Cognitive reframing, right? I use that, use that a lot. Let's reframe that story now through your design. And it really does make a big difference. During the course of the third season of podcasting, I had a lot of inspirational guests. Three of them stand out to me as being especially inspirational. Uh, Lauren Dreyer, she was very inspirational because she's dealing with a facial disfigurement that she's had since uh, birth, and she's had some surgeries to her face. And she also talks about resilience and just being you, the joy of being you, doing what you would would like to be able to do, not listening to the pundits that tell you how to live your life. It's an amazing interview, and I'd strongly recommend that if you're at a crossroads in your life and you're wondering what to do, listen to this entire interview. But for now, here is a short clip of Lauren and I talking about her and her experiences. One of my biggest blocks and I am still working through this on a daily basis of letting go of the opinions of everyone else mm -hmm. and what they think, say, whatever about what I'm doing. 
but it also comes with letting go of the things that, how I project, the things that I think that they are thinking about me, saying about me, mm-hmm. because I, I've always been such a person who I, as I put in my book, I am a recovering people pleaser. I used to drop anything I was doing to go do something or help somebody doing things, which not necessarily a bad thing, but it took me away from the things that I wanted to do, the things that, you know, gave me joy, the things that I was passionate about. And I I realized that and I said, I need to start not necessarily caring about the people outside of me what they want me to do, what they think I should do. And that is really hard. Adele Wang was another person that I interviewed for my podcast in season three. And she is all about energy healing. She went from the corporate world to the woo-woo world. And she was very resistant about that. She talks about that in the full interview. And it was great just to be able to see the transformation. She's uh, edgy. She's snarky. Uh, she's She's got a lot of wit and wisdom about her. And so check out this clip. Uh, where we talk about uh, energy and the corporate life. So basically I was working a corporate job and the practice was growing my side clients. And then it reached a point where I was pretty busy and it's pretty tired. And at that time the, uh, I was working for um, a major telecom company and they had a rule from IRS. I, I, they brought me in as a consultant. I was making lots of money and they loved me. And they said, Adele, we love you so much. And IRS rules have you limited and how long you can be here before we have to start the clock over in terms of whether you're an employee or a contractor. Can you take six weeks off and come back? And this was like around November. I said, sure. I mean, nothing gets done in November, December anyway. I was happy. And so I thought, well, you know, the holidays. Then January came along and I didn't call them back. Oh, wait till February. And then before I knew it, it was like July. And they kept calling. And I noticed I wasn't exactly dying to go back. I thought, good noticing. This is a sign. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's me. Oh, my goodness. So you yeah. just never went back. Never. Another inspirational podcast interviewee in season three was Vivian Cobb, who's actually done a TED Talk and very many other inspirational talks in her time. As she and I talk about chaos, we talk about emotions and about how letting emotions flow is just so important. Check out this clip of Vivian as she talks about her own experience with emotions the information the emotions can give you and how you can better uh, exist when you have emotions show up in your life. What do you tell your, your peeps uh, about <laughs> anger? What, what kind of wisdom do you have to offer us about, about anger as an emotion and embracing well, anger? Well, you know, anger is a very, it's one of our most powerful uh, emotions. It is an incredible motivator. But it, but unharnessed, like anything else, it can be very destructive. Uh, I try to encourage people to use their anger as motivation to cha- to make a change. Uh, it anger 
is a great storyteller. It's telling you all kinds of information, but it's what you do with that information. And I think that, again, what we were talking about, the chaos of people being so angry and not knowing what to do with their anger, they they express it really inappropriately, like going and shooting other people. That's like, no, 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 don't do that. (laughs) But yeah, anger is one of the emotions that we absolutely need to process because it is very powerful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if we don't process our anger and turn it inward, then that's where depression comes from. Depression is just anger, unprocessed anger turned inward. Uh, And then of course we have uh, depression causes all kinds of issues as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, the worst being, uh, you know, people hurting themselves or hurting other people. In April, I had interviews with two people who are extremely informative, and we talked about the chaos and the state of the world today, especially in light of the Ukrainian war and other chaos that is happening in the world. Dr. Verina Radmeyer is from Vienna, Austria, and she works with children in her private practice. She is an actual doctor in Vienna. And so she shares with us in this small clip about what the children think we should be doing and what they value in their little lives. I think it's really important to listen to children. And so if you want to know more, listen to the entire interview. Uh, Verina is such a great resource of information. Uh, She tells us in our clip right here what children value. Check it out. Two in children at the at between seven and thirteen years of age, there are those two that really come up quite often, and I think as adults we can learn a lot from those because one is kindness, and the other is protecting protecting nature, the environment. It could be a love for animals, or it could be just you know protecting nature in general. But this is what they what they come up with most often. And I'm so glad that they do because, you know, we need a kind world and we need a world where we respect nature and care for it. So this gives me hope for the future, actually, because I really think that if we strengthen that, that that what's already there, I don't have to put it into them because it's there. It's just what they want to express and what they want, want to go forward in life with you know this is this is there and the fact that it's there is really reason for hope i think and another very informative interview was with dave combs who is a musician and he is famous for his composition of rachel's song which is a song that is supposed to have a lot of healing properties and i do believe that it is true the whole entire interview dave tells about his stories his journeys creating rachel's song and he also gives these prescriptions i i challenge him to give musical prescriptions about things like covid and chaos and other things that are going on in the world the war in ukraine and and he does he actually gives us some prescriptions that we can use so i think that if you want to use music to calm your own chaos this would be a great one to listen to the whole thing but for now here's a snippet of my interview with dave combs 
Wow. So what prescription do you think that you have <laughs> for the crisis here that we're going through in uh, Ukraine and Russia? Uh, any, any kind of prescription that you might want to suggest uh, for that? Well, I think there's a heavy dose of prayer that needs to be done, obviously, for these these people in Ukraine and around the world. But for a prescription of what you can do, I think if people will take out of their chaotic lives and set aside a certain time of day, whether it's early in the morning, late at night or some time where you can get to get by yourself in a hopefully quiet environment or if not, you know, put on your earbuds or earphones or whatever so you can isolate all of the this distracting noises and listen to some of my music. I, I think you will find it will help you uh, calm down. It'll give you some peace and enjoyment as well. And that to me, if you'll if you'll just make a point to do that every day, sometime, maybe more than one time a day. But if you find yourself completely stressed out, just walk, go someplace by yourself, quiet and just li either listen to the quiet, go to a go to a stream and listen to the water running in the stream or whatever. Go walk for a walk in the woods or a walk on the greenway or whatever. But put my music on and let let it just soak into your body as you listen to it, because there's no words. My music, I have seven albums of original compositions. None of them have any words. So you're not going to be tempted to sing along with it with your favorite song and words, which kind of can distract you from the purpose of being just chilled out. But uh, just listen to the music and let it do what it can do. And in May, in the spirit of Mother's Day, I interviewed two uh, women who are primarily working with moms in their practice. Dr. Melissa Riley, she works with moms without moms. She works with moms who have struggled with uh, alienation from their moms, separation from their moms in ways of voluntary separation or geographic separation, and death. So she has experienced all three of those in her life, and she talks about it. It's a wonderful story. It's very inspiring, and it teaches you how to build a community of people who are going to help you through in the absence of having your mom present for you. Uh, check out this clip that I have of uh, Dr. Melissa Riley uh, as she talks about moms without moms and how they can create a community of support. There are several factors that help. One is building a community. So I mentioned earlier that moms without a mom don't have that go-to person. So it is really important for us to become really intentional about creating a sense of community. And I like to talk about having four people as our um, essential members of our mom community. And so they include first, um, the wise woman. So this is the person that, like you said, we get to ask questions of. So this is the person that tends to know things. So um, this can be another family member, it can be a friend, but it can also be professional. So this is somebody you can ask advice of um, or just, again, not understanding something. And then the second person is an emotional supporter. So this is somebody you can talk to and they will just listen. So they don't try to cheer you up. They don't give advice. They just listen. Mm -hmm. The third person I think we all need, and this is the go-getter. So this is the person that knows how to get things done. 
So when you are overwhelmed and you've got five loads of laundry waiting in your house to get done, this is the person you can call up and they will just take it, get it done and put it back on your porch before you blink an eye um, and not ask any questions. And then the fourth person is the late night talker. So this is the person you can call at any hour and they'll just be available. I also had a great interview with Kim Krause, who's a certified life coach and she does Reiki and IET. She's also got a podcast and she's a mom of two girls. We had a wonderful talk about all the questions I have about momhood, like all of these stressed out moms, kids, how are they supposed to cope? Kim is probably one of the most organized people that I know and have met through this podcasting journey. And she tells us all of her secrets about how to keep it together as a mom when we have all this stuff out there, social media, COVID, and we have just being a mom and organizations, schedules, pickups, you name it. I've got all kinds of questions for her and she answers them all like a champ. So check out the whole entire podcast interview if you're a mom who needs help with specific issues. Otherwise, here's a short clip of Kim and I talking about uh, being a mom in chaos. But that really was the game changer. I had to say, okay, when we get home, girls, I need 15 minutes. You are to go wash your hands, get changed out of your school clothes, get your homework books out and get yourself started. So for 15 minutes, you are not allowed to ask me for anything. You are not allowed to tell me anything because I'm also letting the dogs outside so that they can go outside and do what they need to do. And that was so helpful. And it was a struggle for them at first because it's hard as a child not to say, hey, guess what? But we had already chatted about the school day in the car. So that I was firm on that. I need this time. Once I get myself organized, I will let you know. It might only be 10 minutes. I will let you know when I'm ready to talk. And after a little bit of time, they were really able to do it. So often we don't give ourselves our kids credit for being able to be independent. And same thing with my husband. I said, when you get home from work, you have 15 minutes to go in, finish up any task, phone call, whatever it is that you might have been working on when you left the office, 15 minutes. After that, I am tagging you in and I am tagging myself out for 30 minutes. And you can focus on dinner, finishing it up, starting baths for the kids, whatever the case may be. But I am taking this time for myself. And that was hard for me to, to relinquish that control of that 15 minutes and that 30 minutes. But once I was able to do that, I was better prepared to manage all of the things that were coming at me. Um, you know, because sometimes it is overwhelming. It's like you feel like you can't catch your breath, but it's just a matter of setting the standard. Hey, this is how it's going to be when we get home from school. This is the routine. This is the standard for you. This is the standard for me. This is the standard for dad or whomever else is in the household. And then everyone's on the same page and they know. And then I sort of went out on a limb and I did two videos about the recent Johnny Depp Amber Heard defamation trial. The first video I did was called uh, Meryl Chaos. And it's about the testimony that uh, Dr. Shannon Curry does in court when she diagnoses Amber Heard with borderline personality disorder and uh, histrionic personality disorder. 
And I talk about my own experiences with the uh, Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, the MMPI. I talk about some personal stuff too, and about psychological testing. You really want to check out this whole entire, it was a live stream that I did. So it's over an hour. The second Johnny and Amber live stream I did was about the testimony of Dr. Don Hughes, who testified on behalf of Amber Heard on the defense side and about some of the thoughts I had about her testimony and about how, uh, you know, I agreed or disagreed with what she had to say about uh, about uh, Amber and Johnny. And um, also I talk about doing some self-care because a lot of Amber's testimony was pretty triggering. And just to conclude, this season of podcasting has been awesome. I have been kind of keeping my own lane and I've been meeting a lot of new people. They are really great, informative. And I was also given the opportunity to be on Ken's Counseling Couch with Aiden Paladin for two Sundays in a row. We were talking about the testimonies of Dr. Shannon Curry and Dr. Dr. Don Hughes. And we had a lot of fun. I can leave the links and the timestamps in the show notes if you're interested in checking those out. Ken's Counseling Couch has really been very generous about giving me some time and space to uh, join in the conversation. And I really appreciated that. So as for me, I'm planning on taking the summer off of podcasting interviewing and possibly even doing something different in the fall. Who knows? And during the summer, possibly doing some live streams and some video shorts, some fun stuff, just some things that we uh, can do to calm our chaos. Uh, The summertime is typically when I take a break and this break will be that I will be in touch with you all. I do appreciate everybody who's subscribed to the channel and I'm going to be in regular contact with you. It's just going to be a little bit of a hodgepodge variety until I figure out what I'm going to be doing for podcasting next season. So if you have any ideas or suggestions that you would like to hear me talk about or see me cover, please leave them in the comments so that I can know. I do take these things seriously. And one year I had about five or six suggestions and I covered all of them. So your opinion does matter. I care about my subscribers, all 350 of them. And uh, I love you all. And I'm looking forward to seeing you through the summer and into the next podcasting year. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Calming the Chaos podcast. If the information in this podcast has been helpful, please consider subscribing and share it with your friends. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, Spotify, and on YouTube. You can also go to our podcast website at www.calmingthechaospodcast.com, where you can listen to all Calming the Chaos podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing my next podcast episode with you. In the meantime, take care.